preschool parents, welcome back to Raise Ready Kids, where month by month you master the strategies you need to raise kids with the knowledge, skills, character, and purpose they need to thrive. I'm Bill Jackson, founder of Raise Ready Kids, and your host this month. Today I want to tackle a topic that looms large for many parents. Screens. We're going to explore several questions. How much time with screens do preschoolers typically get? What do we know about the impact of screens on young children? How should you be thinking about screens? And how can you tap into the best of what they have to offer while avoiding the worst? My hope is that you'll come away from this month's session with a map of the territory, so to speak. Only you can decide what's best for your child and family. My goal is to share what research says about the impact of screens, the good and the bad, and to provide you with a few principles that can help you with decision-making. For starters, let's get a few basic facts on the table. Just before the COVID-19 pandemic hit, the average American preschooler was spending two and a half hours per day with screens. Three quarters of this time was being spent watching video, primarily streaming services like YouTube and Hulu, mostly on mobile devices. Most of the rest was being spent playing games. No doubt these numbers grew during the pandemic. Most scientists who study the impact of screens on children would say this is too much time. For example, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that parents of preschool children limit screen use to no more than one hour per day of high-quality programming. Most preschool parents, however, aren't concerned about this two and a half hours. Two-thirds say their child spends the right amount of time with screens, while only 29% say their child spends too much time. Nearly three-quarters say the media their child consumes helps them learn. The one significant downside parents see, screens are reducing their children's physical activity. Notably, screen time varies enormously by socioeconomic group. Children in lower-income households spend an average of nearly two hours a day more with screen media than those in higher-income homes. Also striking, there are plenty of signs that parents who work in technology companies are among the stingiest when it comes to screen time. According to articles in the New York Times and other publications, growing numbers of parents who work in tech are putting strict limits on tech use, banning iPads, and refusing to buy phones for their children until they are in high school. So, who is right? How should you manage screens in your home? To help you figure that out, let's explore what science tells us about the impact of screens on preschoolers, starting with the positive. There is one clear and compelling finding on the positive side of the ledger. High-quality educational TV is good for preschoolers. For example, several studies have shown that watching Sesame Street is almost as good for language development as attending preschool, and the benefits persist for many years. Preschoolers who watch Sesame Street get higher grades in English, math, and science in high school, and they are more likely to participate in extracurriculars, says Heather Kirkorian, director of the Cognitive Development and Media Lab at the University of Wisconsin. By all means, arrange your child's life so they have plenty of opportunity to watch high-quality educational TV like Sesame Street and Daniel Tiger. Okay, let's move on to the negative, keeping in mind that the evidence produced thus far is mostly correlational. Research in medicine and other fields is often better than what we've got with screens because it gets at causation only. Drug companies can run experiments to see what happens when one group of people get a new medication while another gets a placebo. 
Researchers can't do that with screens and kids for both practical and ethical reasons. So the research in this field is not as high quality. Having said that, the most striking correlation in the research on kids and media use is the relationship between screens and a basic life necessity and common parental background, sleep, writes Anya Kamenetz, an education correspondent for NPR and the author of the book, The Art of Screen Time. In her book, Kamenetz quotes Lauren Hale, a professor at the State University of New York, Stony Brook, who has been researching this topic for over a decade. As kids and adults watch or use screens, with light shining in their eyes and close to their face, bedtime gets delayed. It takes longer to fall asleep, sleep quality is reduced, and total sleep time is decreased. Screens negatively impact sleep through two mechanisms. First, their bright blue light inhibits the production of melatonin, a hormone that helps us relax and prepare for sleep. Second, the excitement generated by screens produces cortisol, a hormone associated with stress. To put it another way, the things we do on screens tend to arouse us emotionally, making it harder for us to wind down. This is potentially the most serious negative impact of screen time because sleep matters so much for young children's well-being and learning. As Kamenetz writes, poor sleep quality is connected by reams of research to a cascade of physical, emotional, and mental issues, depression, anxiety, obesity, poor school performance, attention deficit, irritability, and even lowered immunity. This brings us to what I believe is the single most important screen time rule you can have in your home. No screens for at least one hour before bedtime, period. Sleep is simply too important. The second area where researchers are confident about negative impact from screens is obesity. Obesity rates have doubled in children over the past 30 years, triggering a whole host of serious health problems, including type 1 diabetes. Clearly, the more time children spend with screens, the less time is available for running around. However, a good chunk of the problem may be related to snacking while watching videos or playing games. Children eat while they watch and eat what they watch, says Tom Warshawski, a pediatrician and founder of the Childhood Obesity Foundation in Canada. 90% of the foods and beverages marketed to kids on television are unhealthy because they have too much fat, salt, and sugar. Researchers continue to study the other negative impacts that screen time may be having on children. For example, the potential for violent video games to trigger real-world aggressive actions. While the American Academy of Pediatrics and other leading medical and scientific associations are on record as saying that media violence causes aggression in children, the evidence is indirect, and the correlation is in the small to moderate range. According to Michael Rich, a Harvard pediatrician, aggression isn't even the most likely impact of exposure to media violence. That honor goes to desensitization to the suffering of others, meaning that simulated violence reduces children's sense of empathy to real-world suffering. Rich adds that the second most prevalent reaction to media violence is a general sense of fear and anxiety, especially in younger children. As Kamenetz writes, for every child who watches UFC fight night and picks a fight on the playground the next day, there are many more who shrug their shoulders and turn away from that playground fight, and others who will wake up with bad dreams and the feeling that the world is a scary place. There's one more area of concern we should address. Screens may be taking a serious toll on children's ability to pay attention, as well as on their mental health. 
There's less evidence on this issue than the others, but growing numbers of teachers, parents, and mental health professionals are sounding alarms. For example, Nicholas Cardaris, a psychologist who studies addiction, makes the case that screen time is correlated with disorders like ADHD, addiction, anxiety, depression, and even psychosis. Plenty of teachers will tell you that they see children's attention spans shrinking in the iPhone age. It stands to reason that this is related to children becoming conditioned to the constant stimulus of electronic media and the sense that they can just swipe left and get something new whenever they want. As a parent of a four-year-old girl told researchers from Common Sense Media, it's not necessarily a specific show, game, video, or app that hurts, but rather the ability to focus on one specific thing. There's so much content to choose from, there's always a constant change of what she's viewing. We now know that these iPads, smartphones, and Xboxes are a form of digital drug, Cardoris has written. Recent brain imaging research is showing that they affect the brain's frontal cortex, which controls executive functioning, including impulse control, in exactly the same way that cocaine does. Technology is so hyper-arousing that it raises dopamine levels, the feel-good neurotransmitter most involved in the addiction dynamic, as much as sex. So now that I've spilled out all the terrible ways that screens might impact your child, let's come back to the core question. What should you do about screens in your preschool child? Should you cut them out altogether? Go with the official recommendation and limit them to one hour? Or, like an average American parent, should you relax a bit? A few hours a day is fine. This is a tough issue. Many of our kids already love their screen time and don't want less of it. Often, kids do seem to be learning useful things from screens, whether they're watching children's programming or playing learning games. And yet, there's this long list of potential problems with screens. Of course, I can't tell you what you should do. Nobody can. Everybody's situation is different, and there's lots of room for judgment. But I do want to share three high-level principles that I think can inform your decision. First, don't ban screens altogether from your preschooler's life for several reasons. First, it's not realistic for most families. Kids are going to get exposed to screens whether you like it or not. More importantly, though, it's not productive to position screens as something so terrible that they should be banned. Some screen time likely is a good thing for your preschooler. And as your child grows up, screens are likely to serve as a valuable source of information, connection, and entertainment for them. In any case, your child is going to have to figure out how to manage screens on their own as they get older. The researcher and writer Alexandra Samuel spent two years gathering data from 10,000 North American parents on how they manage technology in their homes. She found that some parents play an active role in guiding their children onto the internet, internet mentors, you might call them. Other parents, screen deniers, focus on minimizing their children's use of technology. Her research shows that the children of screen mentors end up with healthier screen habits than the children of screen deniers. As Samuel explained to the author Diana Graber, the children of screen deniers are twice as likely as the children of screen mentors to access porn or post rude or hostile comments online. They're also three times as likely to go online and impersonate a classmate, peer, or adult. If you ban screens from your child's life, your child may come to see them as holding a mysterious appeal, and you will lose the opportunity to play the role of mentor, guiding them away from the bad and toward the good. 
The second principle is to think of screen time that you do together with your child as screens together time. And this is nearly always good. Healthy interaction with adults is always positive for young children, whether around books, in the sandbox, or with screens. Is your preschooler fixated on construction equipment, insects, or sharks? Use screens to explore these topics together. If your child is into owls, watch and discuss a YouTube video of an owl together. Keep viewing sessions short. You can also introduce your child to age-appropriate movies you loved as a child. Talk about the movie and help your child draw connections between what they're seeing on the screen and what they're learning about in the real world. Commonets, the NPR education correspondent, tells the story of how Henry Jenkins, a media scholar at USC, used a computer for storytelling with his four-year-old son. We alternated nights, Jenkins told Commonets. One night we would read a story, and the next night make up a story, type it on the computer, and draw pictures. And we sent it to the grandparents. It was a whole publishing enterprise. Video chats with grandparents, relatives, and friends is screens together time, too. Ask the person you're connecting with to show you and your child where they are and who they're with, again, helping your child connect the virtual and the real worlds. For the half of U.S. families that are not centered around two married parents on their first marriage, video communication is a particularly important tool for staying connected. Some families with faraway relatives leave video links open for many hours. Remember the research about educational television, that watching high-quality shows is good for kids? The story gets even better when kids watch these kinds of shows with a parent. Commonance writes about research conducted by Eric Rasmussen, a professor at Texas Tech who studies media and families. Preschoolers who watched a total of 10 Daniel Tiger episodes over several weeks showed improvements in empathy and perspective-taking compared to a control group that watched a nature show. And these are exactly the pro-social messages the show was designed to reinforce. But there was a big caveat. These improvements happened if and only if the parents of the kids who watched Daniel Tiger also indicated that they were already in the habit of often discussing the content of TV shows with their kids. Preschool kids can learn from learning games and apps too, but much more if they use them with parents. Consult Common Sense Media for recommendations or go to PBS Kids or Khan Academy to see what they're offering. If you need a moment to yourself and want to put your child in front of a game alone, Try to be within earshot so you'll be able to talk to your child about what they're doing. Just as healthy eating habits start around the family dinner table, writes Kamenetz, joint media engagement starting in the earliest years basically means treating an app or a video like a picture book, sitting with a kid on your lap, naming objects, talking about what's happening, and asking questions. It means actively and consciously modeling the use of media for communications, learning, and creation. This brings us to the third and final principle. Apart from screens together time, including educational television, you should strive to keep your preschooler's life mostly screen free. This is a good rule of thumb, not because several hours a day of screens is probably going to mean that your child ends up as a clinically depressed, overweight, sleep deprived teen, but rather because for the most part, the preschool years are better spent doing other things. While the research on screen time is a bit fuzzy, the research on play is clear. Children benefit enormously from the social and emotional growth that comes from real-life games and pretend play with peers and adults. They benefit enormously from tootling around the house, exploring nature, 
building things, and talking to other human beings. Also, they're more likely to fall in love with reading if they have the time and space to discover books along with the mental space to let their imagination run free. Of course, less screen time might mean more boredom. Good. A little boredom is valuable for three- and four-year-olds. Screen time crowds out the time and space children need to develop their imagination and sense budding emotions like awe and gratitude welling up inside. Deployed at the table in a restaurant, screens deprive the child of the opportunity to learn how to entertain themselves with only a few crayons and participate in conversation with adults. The biggest problem with screens, after you look at all the many ways they impact young children, is that they distract from the most important things children can be doing, playing, exploring, talking, and learning how to listen and manage their own emotions. Okay, you might say, but keeping your child away from screens, except when the two of you are using them together, is just not realistic. Your child would much rather be playing on devices than playing outside with other children. You don't have time to entertain them all the time. It's not safe to play outside without supervision. Screens offer you time to catch up with your own work and get stuff done, time you desperately need. I get it. Handing a child a screen is an effective way to buy yourself some time, and it's perfectly fine to use them that way sometimes. But somehow, children manage to get along without screens for almost the entire course of human history. Truth be told, they do not actually need screens or you to entertain them most of the time. You might offer another objection. Children are growing up in a technology-saturated world. They need to start learning how to use technology now, so they'll have the skills and mindsets they need to thrive in a media-saturated world. But this argument doesn't hold up. Not only will your child have no trouble picking up digital skills later, but truth be told, they're more likely to develop the social-emotional skills they need to thrive in the digital age if they spend less time with devices and more time with real humans while they're young. As Cardaris, the psychologist, writes, there is not one credible research study that shows that a child exposed to more technology earlier in life has better educational outcomes than a tech-free kid. Okay, let's recap where we've come today. The average preschooler spends two and a half hours per day with screens, more than the one hour per day recommendation from the American Academy of Pediatrics. At the same time, research tells us that educational TV shows are good for kids. It also tells us to keep screens out of children's bedrooms and away from our children during the final hour before bed. With these facts and principles on the table, hopefully you feel better prepared to make choices about what role you want screens to have in your child's life. While there are lots of potential negative long-term impacts from screens to contend with, you can best help your child prepare to manage screens on their own, not by banning them outright, but by integrating them into learning and communications activities you do together with your child, what I call screens together time. Apart from that, consider severely limiting the presence of screens in your preschooler's life so they will have the time and space they need for other activities that will ultimately make their life better. Mm-hmm.